Hi, and welcome to our commentary. I'm Andrew Wass. I'm Jake Plumeri. I'm Jacob McAuliffe. And today we are doing Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. So yeah, it's the 20th anniversary of Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost being released, so that's why we're doing it. Um, continuing our trend from last week's of Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, which you can check out um, below. Interesting thing about this movie, Lewis, what's that last name? Lewis Febre? Okay, I, I wasn't sure. sure though. I'm yeah. sorry I interrupted. Continue. No, so apparently I was finding out some things about this where with the first movie, it, it, I guess it was more of a, uh, I, I don't want to say an experiment, but I guess the studio just left them more to their devices since they thought it was more just a one-off thing, but they didn't expect it for, for Zombie Island to be so successful, so once... They wanted to make a sequel, they got a lot more involved, so they, they hired these two outside screenwriters, um, as opposed to, I think, the last time, which I, I, can't, I don't know for sure, but I think it was more of like a collaboration amongst the animators, but in this case, it was two screenwriters. The animation team didn't really like that, um, so I guess this one, there's a little more tension behind the scenes. Um, but yeah. I actually, I read that myself. There was like an interview with one of the designers that they talked about it, right? Yes. Yes. In fact... Was. I, I took some notes in preparation for this. Let me let me bring them out one sec. I do have to say though, the um, ironic part with this is, even though um, all this tension behind the scenes, this is easily the second best Scooby Doo. Yeah, but it turned out very well. Well, it's interesting because there there is four four direct to DVD or direct to video films, right, from the same animation studio. Yeah, Mook. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how they just after each one, they just get increasingly lesser in quality. So you got Zombie Island, which is great. You have this one, which is pretty good. Alien Invaders is okay, and then Cyber Chase, I think, is pretty bad. Yeah. The, and then the animation were like, cheaper. Too. Those were the four that were done by the same animation studio, too. Yeah so, yeah, so they're all, like, in the same, like, continuity kind of wheelhouse. Uh, but yeah, they got, like, lesser and lesser quality. Is there, like, a... It, I should probably know this if I'm reporting this, is there like a Scooby-Doo continuity? Like, is there like a way these are all supposed to kind of line up in some capacity? Probably not. <laughs> you mean these four? Or? No, like everything. Oh, oh, I, I don't. I know with this one, it does connect to um, Zombie Island yeah. because um, in a f the flashback at the end when they're showing um, Ben Ravenscroft reading a newspaper, you can see the headline is... Were referencing the case from the beginning of the first one. It was the Moat Monster. Yeah, the Moat yeah. Monster. Um, and I guess, like, supposedly, if you listen carefully, you can hear Velma describing the Zombie Island case to him at one point, like, in their drive. Hmm. So. Okay, so and I, I think... Uh, what else? There's another... Oh, and I think the fact that they're more likely to... Uh, to accept supernatural occurrence, given their experience from last yeah. time, they're not they're not skeptical this time as much. There's also I, a guy I, who keeps appearing. The <laughs> guy who keeps appearing in the background. All of these movies, I'll point them out. Sorry. Well, thank you for bringing that up before the guy actually appears on screen. We're all very glad to see that. <laughs> it was conducting to the conversation of is there continuity? Um. Well, I asked because I was, like, Googling this before here, you know, before we watched this, and there's, like, a Scooby-Doo wiki, because everything has a wiki now, and apparently there's, like, different articles for different versions of Scooby-Doo, 
And I'm like, wait, is there like a mythology here that I'm like not I'm not understanding? This is a multiverse. Yeah, like there was like where there's like the mystery incorporated timeline, and then there's like the main timeline which incorporates this movie and like the other movies and also the original series. And I'm like, I thought it was just nothing. It was just like whatever they felt like doing for a movie. I'm very passionate about this subject. <laughs> yeah, I think the correct answer is there was as much continuity and thought of as the writer cared for, and that was it. So no one gave a shit about continuity back then. Yeah. So if they make a reference, they make a reference. If it fits in, like I said, yeah, with you know the guy in the background, I think it's just more fun little references than anything actually serious. Right. Like the new series, like Return to Zombie Island and the Thirteen Ghosts movie. Those two movies are an established canon. Like, the 13 Ghost ones precedes the Return to Zombie Island one, which is a little weird because the continuity of being after the 13 Ghosts show and then after Zombie Island, which I don't know how those two could take place at the same time or concurrently. So I think even now, Warner Brothers just doesn't care. They're just like, eh, whatever. What version of Scooby-Doo is popular? Yeah, cool, let's do a sequel. There's not going to be a sequel to brothers or goes hollywood but hey let's do sequels to the ones people like even That's if like it doesn't the whole, make the whole point is it's just there's no continuity yeah like i think they're TV, trying to make it but they, tv yeah. tropes has a term for it they call it negative continuity where it's just whatever you want the status quo to be in each thing yeah and anyone who does something different than that is overthinking it yeah you know yesterday i got to dreaming about a recipe for my life all the things I was okay, so we have Ben Ravencroft. See, he's clearly meant to be like Stephen King. Oh, yeah. But here it's kind of already said that, spoilers, he's the bad guy. He's behind it all. Well, because it's Tim Curry. Yeah, well, but but also, I mean, he's he's also behind this, too. I think he engineered this whole thing to to, to initiate the, the whole investigation. Well, they do explain that at the end. Do they? Yeah. Huh. So, I, I went through, like, the... <laughs> IMDb I'm going to undermine you this time. You undermined me last time. I'm undermining you this time. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Are we done with the very interesting comment on Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost? Let me continue. No, I just like, I, I went through, <laughs> I went through uh, the IMDb trivia for Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Just to like, you know, just to see what they had on there. And um, most of it was very stupid. Stupid or very questionable. One that stuck out to me because we're talking about Tim Curry as the role of Ben Ravencroft. It says this line to be trivia. A long-term fan of Scooby-Doo, Tim Curry considers dreadful darkness, hear my cry, bring back one who cannot die, to be his favorite line through his career as he believes that this was an inside joke referring to Scooby-Doo, who entered the scene after the line was said. This is one of those things that you read and you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then five seconds later, you're like, "Yeah, I, I doubt that. Yeah. I also remember looking that fa looking that up because I read that. I'm like, oh wow, you know, Tim Curry grew up with this too. Wait a minute, he's like 70 years old, so he was like in his late 20s when that show started coming out. Like that would be the equivalent of us. Like I know we're in our mid to late 20s watching this, but we grew up with this. This would be the equivalent of us watching like Peppa Pig 
and I'm coming super enthralled with it to be involved with the franchise 30 years later. But I guess there is something inherently intriguing behind this concept I mean, I, versus your average kid's show. I mean, it's one of the reasons why it's endured for so long. I mean, just, I guess, the whole mystery aspect and the characters and everything. And it's just... Yeah. It's just like such a pop culture staple at this point. Oh, for sure. It exists almost beyond the story of Scooby-Doo, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Therefore, like it's the iconography. We're still watching it, you know. Oh. How cool. Yeah. Huh. Now, I like with um, this, with, you know, him supposed to be, oh, that's the guy um, shaking the mayor's hand. He's in um, Alien Invaders, and I think um, they use him again in one of the later series. Like, there's a joke where they have, like, a website dedicated to people hating Mystery Inc., and, like, he's one of the people who's, like, shown in the messenger icon saying like I hate those meddling kids so the the voice of the mayor here is Neil Ross who is known for voicing the Green Goblin in three different Spider-Man cartoons oh he was Spider-Man oh yeah yeah it was Spider-Man the animated series Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the often forgotten Spider-Man 1981 and he was also the voice of Colonel Volgan in Metal Gear Solid 3 if you're a fan of that so we have a lot of Metal Gear um, um, characters across these. Um, yes, that is true. The series. I'm waiting for David Hayter to pop up here. <laughs> Scooby Doo. Can't be. Now with this guy being Stephen King, like, do you think like when he's not in his town, like he's producing like some really terrible TV movie based off of his books? Like, there's a Tommy Knockers version of like one of Ben Ravencroft's books. Actually, no. When he's not here, he's, like, <laughs> tweeting weird stuff about the president online. Or he's on a total coke bend. <laughs> oh, wait, this isn't the 80s. <laughs> no, this is when he got hit by the car. And, uh, sure, right, right, I was right, going to make a reference to that. Why was I saving it for later? By the way, I'm sorry for undermining you in the last commentary. I just want to take this moment to personally apologize to Andrew Watts. <laughs> Okay, uh, now I'll hold it against you, don't worry. Alright, alright, it's alright, you fucking bastard. <laughs> Stupid fuck. Oh. So here's another IMDb trivia fact. Ben oh, we have like 90 Croft's minutes left. I'm sorry. Space them out. Please talk over me some more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause your, your <laughs> video there and screw up your sink. Hmm. Um, Ben Ravencroft's appearance is somewhat similar to Disney villain David Xantos from Gargoyles. So this was in the IMDb trivia for this, and I don't understand how that's actually trivia. <laughs> that's just an observation that someone made, and they're like, I'm going to put that in the trivia and act like this is like has some kind of authority. Well, that's the problem. There isn't much trivia to this movie. <laughs> what's the problem with IMDb That's what's fascinating general? about it. It's like... Well, how is there so much trivia on this? It's because most of it isn't trivia. So that's a lesbian couple in the background, supposedly. Where? To the left, the black woman and the um, person with the blonde ponytail. If that's true, that's the first um, sure? gay couple in Hanna-Barbera. I think that's a man. I'm just telling you what I also read in IMDb trivia. Yeah, is, was this by the same person oh. who said that it's like David Xantos or whatever? Probably. Gargoyles? Actually, that was me 15 years ago writing IMDb trivia. Hey girl, you got me running. Na 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 na. My heart is lost and my mind's gone bumming. Na 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 na. Tell me, tell me where you've been hiding. I took a look and I decided I gotta know why you missed about me. I can't see nothing but you. 
I do have to admit, I do like um, how they tried getting involved in the, um, you know, witch trials and, like, having an actual message to this movie, like, added a little bit more depth to it. Um, you know, I think it goes back into, like, what they did with um, Zombie Island mm. making complicated villains. Maybe I'm looking a little too deeply into Ben Ravencroft's eventual motivation, but, you know. No, I get what you're saying. So, love that gopher. Yeah, he's a lot less um, angry towards this gopher than he was the literally every animal in the previous um, zombie island when he was like a sociopath. Which is weird because this gopher just physically harmed him. Yeah, weird. But what can you do? Now look. They're grave robbing now. So let's talk about the voice of Shaggy here. Yeah, this is when it switched over to Scott Innes. Um, the the reason apparently was Wes needed time for his roles on Futurama. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, he had like fifteen thousand roles associated with that show, so it could make sense why he's like, yeah, I don't need to do one more. Um, apparently, like some of the other actors they considered were uh, Rob Paulson, Jeff Bennett, Tom Kenny, and Dee Bradley Baker. God, can you imagine, like, Tom Kenny doing the voice of Shaggy? Yeah, no, I think Scott Innes, I don't know, maybe because um, I grew up with um, this one so much that um, he, like, I, I think was the best, like, non-Casey um, Kasem, um, not Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Yeah, so, but... Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. I I think he does good. Yeah. Um, oh, he's making yeah. a horrible mistake. They're offering to pay for their food. I, like they said, they'll regret it. There's some great physical comedy going on here. Which I'm sure you can appreciate by listening to this commentary track. <laughs> <laughs> For the people who are first watching this movie and choosing to listen to the commentary, <laughs> this might be very insightful for them. Maybe they want to know things ahead of time. Yes. Though I wouldn't want to meet that person. <laughs> yeah, I feel that guy. I don't like it when dogs do that to me either. Yeah, I'm just very glad um, most restaurants put dogs to sleep as soon as they come in. <laughs> At least in my town. What a nice booth. Yeah, it's a booth for like 15 people. I, I love booths like that. I don't think I've seen a booth like that, but I love the idea of a booth like that. <laughs> I just love booths and restaurants. Very cozy. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about with this. Yeah, they're just, like, letting some guy read, like, the lunch menu for, like, Warner, the Warner Brothers commissary for that day. <laughs> Which is overpriced. They're going to leave. Yeah, I was going to say, they're going to be bankrupt by the end of the day. Yeah. That's the case. Yeah, when I briefly, like, worked at Disney going to their commissary, it's amazing how, like, not great the food was, but also how expensive it was somehow. 
it's like a real profit margin there where they're like, what's the most that the employees will be able to, will pay before they just leave off site to go and get food somewhere else. That's the Jack Warner, Walt Disney mindset at work for you. <laughs> Actually, it was Lou Wasserman. That's when they set up the commissary and everything. There you go. Yeah, no, like, I looked oh, no, at the... I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Universal. Universal did that. Yeah, because Lou Wasserman was Universal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah MCA. So basically, they, they were all, you know, soulless, money-grubbing monsters. Let's cut that part out. I work in the industry. I think we leave it. Um, yeah, sepia tone again. This is how they convey flashbacks in these Scooby-Doo movies. It looks like the same place as Zombie Islands. You just turn, you just turn the camera and it's just like the pirates attacking the villagers. <laughs> Would have been probably the same time frame. Yeah, give or take. It's so strange. This was the one as a kid I never watched. Really? I watched um, the first... The Zombie Island and Alien Invaders and Cyber Chase, but I, I missed this one. I believe I rented this as a kid, hoping to get the same rush as I did watching Zombie Island. I guess I kind of did. Yeah. That's the key word there, kind of. It's exactly. Not, it doesn't quite recapture. I mean, it's not, not like it's supposed to or should, but it's not quite up to, to par with the Zombie Island in a lot of places. Yeah. But still, I, I, I'd say this one, this and Zombie Island compared to all the other ones are still kind of go there in terms of... I don't know, I, I, not just in tone, but like you said, more some more like a empathetic villains in, in some way. And yeah, yeah, I think these two are the best of the um, like classic big four. Um, yeah, I, I think you know, and then I know they had quote unquote real villains still in the next two, but it's like this is like when the villains are actually sympathetic, were actually real. Real, real, you know, not like, oh, a fake out with the alien. There are different real aliens in the, you know, alien invaders or, uh, well, it's a computer program that's kind of real. You know, it's like it started going back to formula of, oh, the monsters are technically speaking real. I guess originally in the script for this, Mm. the, uh... Yeah, originally it was going to end where you found out that the witch was a publicity stunt. The original script by those two screenwriters that Jake had mentioned. And the team from Zombie Island found that unsatisfactory and they rewrote the last third of the film and made the ghost real. Hmm. This is according to that Lance Falk interview, uh, who was a designer on several Scooby-Doo projects. There you go. Well, it would have been very weird because, um, yeah, I mean, you go from zombies to uh, just publicity stuff. So it would have been a very sharp drop-off in plot where, you know, we only got a slight drop-off. So I'm glad they went ahead and went the decision to make it real. But it's very interesting because the mystery in this for the fake witch, um, I have to assume they didn't touch too much of that because it's actually a pretty good mystery that you would have seen in a classic Scooby-Doo episode. Mm. Um, so it's very interesting. So I wonder like what they did change. This is, you know, this isn't an overly long movie, so they did have to cut stuff out, but it doesn't feel like there's large chunks missing or just tacked on. So they, they did a pretty good job reworking this. It's a classic Scooby-Doo mystery with a heretical twist at the end. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, th- th- this personally is what I, what I prefer in terms of like Scooby-Doo. I think it's in like I guess it's interesting the idea of trying to 
subvert the narrative of Zombie Island where you think it's real and you think it's going to do that again and then it ends up being a fake. But I feel if they did that, it would have ended up just feeling like an overlong episode of the show. It wouldn't have felt very cinematic. Yeah, I still think you could have. I still think you could have pulled that off. You just had to execute it right, because that would have been an interesting subversion following Zombie Island. Where, you know, where you, again, where you're thinking it's real, but then they just go back. But I, I think, I think you could have pulled that off. I think that could have worked. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a world where that can work. Did this version pull it off? We don't know. Yeah. Just maybe within this film's context, maybe it wouldn't have wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah. And I think as a follow-up to Zombie Island, it definitely would have been, like, a bigger letdown. I think, like, it needed time and its own style. Like, this is very stylistically close to Zombie Island, with the exception of Billy West. Um, the entire main cast is back as, you know, their their original voices. Um, so I think, it, I think personally, it, I'm glad, and I think they didn't do it, and it would been a failure I think um I think what we saw with the later ones going back to the typical formula kind of as letdowns would have been even bigger here I'm glad we did a gradual you know decrease in that if that makes sense yeah no I we're nodding Now, we went from a very comedic commentary last time around to actually trying to be insightful this time. There's less alcohol involved this time. There's just so much to dissect with this film. Yeah. Like that Bruce Almighty moon. (laughs) Somewhere Jim Carrey's trying to get laid with Jennifer Aniston, and I can't blame him. Well, actually, going back to what you were saying before, I... There could have been something said about a series of Scooby-Doo animated movies, like with the current, with the this consistent theme of the monsters being real. That could have been interesting, but I don't know. I mean, that's what, well, that's what that show is, right? Scooby-Doo uh, Mystery Inc. is? I don't know for sure of that. I think in that one, the, the, the monsters are real. Yeah. Um, there could have been something interesting there with it, but I, I, I don't know. Again, I, I think, I think it could have worked where... It was actually a hoax. Yeah. But in, I guess how this was functioning, maybe at, at, you know, at that certain time, it, you know. Yeah. It, it there's so many... Oh, I apologize. I thought you were done. But I was going to say, there's so many innuendos that we could have just made there with the Fred Daphne thing. I don't know what you're talking about. And we didn't. What was it? I think we're just getting boring in our old age. <laughs> I don't know. From, from the last... From a month ago? Yeah. Well, yeah, you did just turn. Oh no, that was after your birthday. Never mind. I did just turn forty-eight. <laughs> did you get your prostate examined? But I'm living with a forty-eight-year-old. Huh. I really just thought about this movie throughout my entire prostate exam. <laughs> I was like, did Tim Curry really think that line was his favorite of his career? Of the Northern Lights. Actually, it kind of reminds me of the Tommyknockers. Oh, God. With the lights. No, definitely Stephen King, man. He um, should be calling up his lawyers for this. Stephen King's like, I'm not going to get angry over just another like cheap parody of me. I bet he likes Scooby-Doo. 
If he doesn't, he's a soulless I'm piece sure. of shit. So here's another thing on IMDb trivia. This movie marks the first appearance of the Hex Girls, and I'm like, wasn't this the only appearance <laughs> of the Hex Girls? So I googled this, and apparently they popped up like one or two other times in other Scooby-Doo stuff. So that is the legacy of this film, is the Hex Girls. Yeah, they. it was like the Legend of the Vampire, I think. Um, hmm. And um, like one episode of um, What's New Scooby-Doo. It's a pretty good song. Yeah. Yeah, I always remembered this song. Well, the, the, this is Joe and Jet singing, so it's like, yeah, of course. No. I think they said it was really? Joe and Jet. I'll put a disclaimer up if that's not true. Let me look it up. I imagine this would be a popular Halloween costume for a group of friends. You guys want to be the Hex Girls for Halloween? Absolutely. Okay. flagged on YouTube now. What did you just call me? <laughs> Wait, I thought this was going on Daily Motion. Eh, whatever. Oh, Jennifer Hale. I don't know if Joan Jett is that that low in her career where she would where she would come back and do it. Or maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not saying that it's, you're not low in your career if you're do if you're voicing Wait. a Scooby Doo movie. I'm just Billy saying. Ray Cyrus did it. Well, in this movie. This was like, it was on an upswing at least at this point. I don't, I don't think it was like a, uh, it wasn't a 10 tier, 10 star production or something like that, but it was, it was on the upswing from where it was in like the early nineties, I guess. So if you wanted to drag Billy Ray Cyrus into this, then, uh, I guess it'd be possible. Zombie Island probably helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what did it. Well, I, um. Well, wasn't Zombie Island, like, this period kind of the beginning of, like, Scooby's comeback compared yeah. to the 80s and, I, well, probably the 70s and the 80s, which was a the 90s, time. Yeah, the 90s, um, the only thing they had with, um, Pup Named, it was Pup Named Scooby-Doo, tail end of that, and, um, mm. this Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights, and that was pretty much it. Wait, was that good? Oh, no, I'm saying, like, that, no, that was all they had. In the 80s? In the, the, the 90s. Oh, in the 90s, Okay. Yeah, the 80s, they were, like, a powerhouse, like, doing new stuff, like, all the time. And then the 90s, they just trailed off until, um, Zombie Island. Yeah, it was, like, the 70s was, like, the, sort of, like, the variety show era for this, where it was, like, yeah. Scooby-Doo would cross over, like, celebrities and stuff like that. And then the 80s were, like, the weird Scooby and Shaggy solo stuff. Yeah, that was an absolute hellscape in terms of... <laughs> Like Scooby Doo content. I think those twenty years, I just didn't quite Don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. I mean, Boo Brothers just a nightmare to watch. It's two hours long. I, I never felt so miserable in my life. I only prayed to fall asleep, but I couldn't. God awful. I, I slept during it. I was kind of like the first guy that dies in a horror movie. I was clocked out like 15, 20 minutes I, in. I envied you, Jacob, for the first time in my life. I never wanted to be someone else more <laughs> during that time of watching Boo Brothers. That was just a miserable experience. Uh, anyway. Anyway, our sponsor is Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers. Yeah.
Um, oddly enough, we're not going to do a commentary of Scooby Doo meets the Boo Brothers. At least I'm not going to participate in. It. I think it's going to happen. Oh God! It's it's like Thanos. It's inevitable. <laughs> um, oddly enough, with the Boo Brothers, I randomly bought like a couple of Halloweens ago, like a two pack of that, and like um, Cyber Chase. And I had not seen Boo Brothers in years. Like it was like three dollars. So I'm like, uh, let let you know, I'll buy it just for this. And I randomly started watching it. I'm like, this is okay or weird or god-awful. One of the three. So I started looking up about the movie. And then coincidentally, I was watching it on the 30th anniversary of it airing. Like, completely coincidental. And I'm like, oh my god, I should put that up on Facebook right now. And then I stopped typing that and realized, what do I want people on social media thinking I'm like? Like, do I want them thinking that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching Scooby-Doo and it meets the Boo Brothers on its 30th anniversary. Gotta advertise that to all my friends. And decide not to. Watch what year it. was this? This would have been um, 2017, I think. Okay. So like, what? That was 32nd, 33rd anniversary? Uh, yeah. That's what the commentary track will be for? <laughs> yes. I was gonna say it wasn't yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I mean, I know um, they would premiere these movies in, like, September. Like, I would release them on home video in September, so we're recording this um, right at the tail end of September. So it could be around the anniversary of when this movie was initially released and when Boo Brothers was released. They released them all in September because, I guess, they just wanted them to be in the video stores for October. But yeah. Again. Anyway... Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that one. Well, we should just do a commentary like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Paul Verhoeven. Or Ar I should say Arnold Ward. <laughs> His commentary just consists of him just describing what's going on. <laughs> that, was, that was great. So these are the Hex girls. They're talking to our main characters. No, you gotta do it as, like, Scooby. Daphne's very jealous of the Hex girls. <laughs> Ooh, look at them. They look like they're trouble. Are they the culprits? I don't know. You have to wait and see. And then the next minute he'll tell who the culprit is. Can you imagine like being the guy recording that? Oh, I can. Like sitting there listening to him, like Arnold Schwarzenegger describe this, and you're just like, "What do we? What do we? Do we tell him?" No. I think you just kind of sit back and wait and see how it goes. So I, I guess here they're just kind of they're they're building a romance with Velma and uh, Ben Ravencroft. Much like the cop in the last one. Velma has... She has a very unsuccessful streak with men. Or she's just a player. Maybe that's something we don't know about her quite yet. Because maybe she I had like her thing... Theory. She had her thing with the cop. She was done with that. And then she, uh, you know, she picked up some new action here. And then... Oh, and then... I don't think she got any action alien invaders. Um, she had the hipster guy in the live action movie. Oh, I was about to say, the guy with the Led Zeppelin shirt. And then Seth Green in the sequel. Yeah, no, she, and they ended up together. She, uh, you know, Velma's never gonna call you back. Oh, here's some action, some really hot action. Wow, Oof. their relationship not, goes dark places. Not quite as good as the Googie foot porn. <laughs> if you if you took like a picture of that and like posted it online, I'd believe that was some weird DeviantArt stuff. I would not think that was actually in like a Scooby Doo movie that was released officially. <laughs> You know people have jerked off to that. You just know it. Not us, but you know people have. Well, I think it's like one of Just because you can't see us right now doesn't mean 
they were doing anything inappropriate with that image. One in three of us actually isn't wearing pants as we're recording this. Try and guess which one. Comment below. Another another one of us is wearing pants, but not where you'd expect. I hope our parents are proud of us. Probably not, but I hope. <laughs> That's what you live for. So he has a heroes looking in. To one of the hex girls, she looks very suspicious. What's she doing? I just wish you would see like typical stuff in like a shed. Like you see like a weed whacker and like you know a bunch of tools, Christmas uh, lights. I always wanted to go to uh, to Maine. It's nice. Yeah, that that's a place that interests me. I just I love that. that Maine's sort of great. Thing. I haven't been there. Been to Massachusetts, but I've never been to Maine. I just miss the fall and just the cooler weather. Don't miss the snow. Yeah, especially the fall. I, I love this stuff. That's one of the reasons why I do like this movie. I like the, the fall theme and everything and that, yeah. that aurora of spookiness. Yeah. I feel like this one, maybe because I didn't watch Zombie Island nearly as much growing up because you know, it just scared the ever-loving crap out of me. Mm. Um, but I watched this one a lot more often. This was my favorite growing up, and I think it had to do a little bit with that being... I felt this one was more Halloween-centric. Like, it reminds me more of Halloween than any of the other big four, because, you know, then Alien Invaders, they're in the desert, which, you know, to someone who grew up in the Northeast, that feels very summery. And then, you know, Cyber Chase, you know, I don't know where what time of year that takes place at, but... It's definitely it a product. It's yeah, got it's, a very warm feel to it yeah. as a result of all the uh, the fall foliage and the Halloween yeah. decorations. Yeah. And then you have the cliche, like, yeah, stereotypical, like, witch, so it really feels Halloween. Yeah, no, this is great. Could have been a little better. I mean, it's not quite quite a, what, what it could be. There's a few loose screws, it, but uh, it's this is a nice companion piece to Zombie Island. Yeah. I, I think it's like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that was my point with, um, I'm glad they kept a real monster in this one, because, like, the other two, I feel like, can be viewed independently of each other. Um, these two, this and Zombie Island, I feel are very much, like, a suite of, like, you know, a duology of movies, so, yeah, they're both great quality, or great quality and then good quality, and, um, work well yeah. together. Yeah, I mean, I guess when we do the Alien Invaders commentary, we'll, we'll talk more about that, so we don't want to... If we just blow all our material right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't we already 20 minutes ago? <laughs> we blew all of our material for all Scooby-Doo movies 20 minutes ago, unfortunately. Yeah, I we'll keep trying it. to entertain you guys. But we're not going to do a Cyber Chase commentary. I don't want that. Well, that one's on Blu-ray. would be the best quality. Oh, the one with the worst animation? Yeah. We'll, you'll see just the, the scratches and the lines and everything and... Oh, that'll look great. It's William Hanna's last movie, so we could pour one out at like the death of an animation icon and the worst of the big four movies. I remember when Cyber Chase came out. We're going to talk about that now very for just this one minute. Um, and I liked it. But now I don't. Yeah, right before I never saw it as a kid. It's all right. You weren't missing out that much. But I, I remember really liking it because I was coming off of that Zombie Island Alien Invaders streak. They merchandise the hell out of that one. Why is his neck brown? It's one of those strange uh, animation goofs you'll see occasionally in, in these. I think what? it's a shadow. 
I don't, well, it's a pretty brown shadow. Interesting. It's like one of those things where sometimes you, you have to stop and you're like, well, what the hell was the animator thinking? Did they, did they just they just not know what what it was supposed to be and they, that's where they made the mistake? Or? It's interesting because like this was, like you see that a lot with the old shows, like the 70s Scooby-Doo stuff. But like with something like this where it was higher production values, that's uh, it's surprising to come across. Maybe sometimes it's a, it's like a translation thing where, you know, because who, who who animated this and w- which country was this? The Japanese movie. I, I think maybe sometimes it's it's like a language barrier sometimes where the, the Japanese don't know what color Shaggy's <laughs> neck's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe because they have a different understanding of of, of, of these things that we do. So, somewhat, like just the subtle things. That's, yeah. I don't know. Well, the animation side is what you're hinting at. We talked about in the last commentary and you can see it a little bit here again with some level of anime influence. Um, the two times in this I really recall is um, some of the expressions of the patrons at the diner um, have anime looks them, and then a lot of stuff with um, the spoilers, the actual witch that appears later in the movie. So I do wonder if that is um, some level of the anime like style clashing with like Western designs that they're they're trying to emulate a style that's not literally native to their culture, and that that can result in some problems. Yeah. I never thought of that until you brought it up in the last commentary track. In terms of the little stylistic touches that are more emblematic of a Japanese animation studio or Japanese animation versus American animation. Yeah. And that stuff's a little more, probably more noticeable because in, in, in the older stuff, that it's you know story-wise, they're not gonna, they're less likely to animate something like that. So it kind of pushes them to, to go into more of that animated or anime territory. So yeah. maybe in the original script, it was supposed to just end here. Oh, 45 minutes in. It was going to be a very short movie. It's about as long as Cyber Chase. Well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. It's like you know, I feel like this was actually a very well-constructed mystery. And, um, you know, they, it doesn't seem too tacked on what they do later on with the real witch. So I wonder, like, how much they had to, like, rework into this, or rework, I should say, out of it to, um, add to what they had to take out to make this hit the 45-minute mark. They just had a forest fire. No, this isn't this isn't Southern California. Oh, good point. It actually rains in Maine. <laughs> there could never be weather like this. The rain in Maine falls literally. literally. Don't you have a piece of like machinery hoisting the witch around? Why do you need a strong guy to do it? <laughs> Can you imagine that poor guy? He oh, look, it's implicated. them. So this is interesting. This actually, like, if that interview is to be believed, I could see that something like this being the original resolution of this movie. <laughs> so what you're saying it may, may have stopped here, or it was, it was, oh, sort no. of re- it was rewritten where it... it I'm sure it was rewritten, so this happens in the middle. 
but like that might maybe that was meant to be similar to the original resolution before they mm. changed it oh. to a real witch. Well, in this context, it's a good midpoint. I agree. Well, maybe the um, two the two people that just randomly came out like they actually did have scenes in there, so it didn't feel too out of place, and they just like cut out those scenes because also she says, "Oh, the mayor, you made me." The most suspicious is like other than walking around town and delivering a package to someone, which they never actually explained what was the package. They already had the witch costume and everything built up. So I, maybe there was stuff that they just said, okay, cut out pages 15 through, you know, 30 and then add some stuff with the real witch in here. Thelma was actually suspicious because she was like, what is this 1970s variety show host doing being the mayor of a small town. So I'm a gong show. Shouldn't he be the patriarchal figure of the Brady Bunch? That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine hanging out Stephen King's house like this. <laughs> I imagine it'd be a pretty nice house. Discussing all the cocaine. I have seen George Bush's house in Maine. I have never Same. seen Stephen King's, though. My sister um, just saw it. She was up in Maine for a wedding, and they drove by it. Was she in York? Oh, I, I guess. So. That must have been it. Yeah, my family likes to vacation there. They did when I was, like, a kid. Yeah. You think Scooby-Doo likes to vacation in York? I'm now, instead of joining them for vacation, I say I'm very busy in California recording commentary tracks on Scooby-Doo. Um, yeah, so, you, you know, you gotta make sacrifices. You know, some people join the military and fight for their country. We give up a couple hours of our Sundays recording commentary tracks for, like, 50 people to listen to on YouTube. Thank you, by the way. To be fair, even this is our second time. So it could be even less than 50 people. Well, you know, you only have to sacrifice yourself once for it to be a sacrifice. True. So are we in purgatory? Is this our hell? Not until we get into those other movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is purgatory. Once we get to Boo Brothers, that's hell. <laughs> Every DVD we put in is just Boo Brothers. Oh, God. You were all with him when you found it. You should know where it is. Do you need your great game Bloodhound? See, that's what I'm afraid of with like the upcoming uh, Scooby... Do movie. It's called Scoob, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid it'll be less of a mystery and just more like a comedy action film. That's actually probably a fairly accurate appraisal. Yeah, because it's just mysteries and on a large scale, like it's. I don't know. I mean, on, we on don't a know, but... I know, but like on a mainstream level, it's not something that's necessarily studio friendly. I think a mystery is just too complex for like a studio perspective, especially for like a kids movie. They're like, ah, they're there. For, they'll be just be afraid that like, kids won't understand it, or they'll be bored. When that's you know part of the appeal of this whole thing. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit. I, I don't. I don't have much to prove it, but that's just I guess what I'm afraid of. I I think that's a very valid concern. You know, it's like how um, some people talk about like how like you look at the Batman movies and it's like. He's not actually solving mysteries. He's not the world's greatest detective in them. That's like 
you know, at least he's still a superhero. It's like when you take away solving mysteries, like what is really Scooby? And that's like when you see it's like as much yeah. as I like reluctant werewolf, it's like other than like the spooky imagery and them eating, there's really nothing to make that a Scooby Doo movie. That could have just been, you know, any generic cartoon characters becoming a werewolf and having to like race Dracula. That didn't a Scooby-Doo movie. Well, that's the thing. It feels like some of these things, they just, they'll retrofit Scooby-Doo into this previous idea. It's almost a little cynical in a sense. Like, Scooby-Doo fundamentally is, it's it's a mystery show. To be fair, sometimes that can yield success, though, because, say, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island was originally written to be a different show, and they pulled oh. Scooby-Doo into that hit work. Oh, sure. I guess it really just depends on if you're taking the right approach towards these characters yeah. yeah i guess in the context of like the 80s that's what i mean by more cynical again it's like that variety show mentality where scooby-doo is sort of a larger icon that represents pop culture versus what the scooby-doo story was mm-hmm. in the original show yeah. but at least that with zombie island was at least that was you know more in tune with Scooby-Doo within the spirit of it versus something like The Reluctant Werewolf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm nodding, and I'm like, oh, I should vocalize. <laughs> <laughs> We're still getting the kinks out of um, recording these commentary tracks. We're either bouncing off the walls, making jokes and no observations, or in this case, actually doing a legit commentary. Like, we're almost done, and I don't think we've made any, like, notable jokes. <laughs> We're bouncing off the walls, making observations and no jokes. There we go. But anyway, look, I guess my whole point is I would like, I'm hoping it's it's going to be a, more of a, just a bare bones mystery type of thing with this upcoming Scooby-Doo. I don't mind the idea that becoming, what, are they like more of a corporation now? They're, that's a cool idea. Yeah, that, that's fine. I just hope it's still like a mystery. Yeah. Like I would it like, should be a political thriller conspiracy <laughs> where it's just like, like the Pentagon Papers. It's like three days of Condor where they've been infiltrated on the inside. Well, it's just Shaggy and Scooby are the only survivors. Fred Velma and Daphne could just get killed. It'd be like in All the President's Men where they're playing the music and they're like trying to raise it and explain the conspiracy in code word. Like Scoop, they're dead. They're all dead. Roll the money. <laughs> Changing up who um, they are in these different scenarios. No, but I, I just one day I would love to see like a proper. I mean, maybe I should wait until this one comes out, but just a proper like great live action yeah. Scooby Doo movie that's more just like a mystery. It's not so this new one's actually animated. Yeah, yeah. But uh, obviously, we keep an open mind. We don't know anything about it. Other than the voice. You just hope yeah, for the best, but you can vocalize your fears about it too. Yeah, especially yeah. with this current, this current uh, studio in charge of it and everything. The, the, I mean, I could see this going very well, but at the same time, I could see this concept playing out in a in a pretty bad way. Yeah. It could go either way. Yeah, because we could look at it as the you know the trepidations we have with you know Warner Brothers now is the same trepidations people probably had in the mid to late nineties. Like, oh, you're doing another Scooby Doo movie. All those last ones were terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you do look at it, really. I, we joke about it on the previous commentary track that everything between 
the original Scooby-Doo show, and then Zombie Island is terrible, and then everything after Witches Ghost till probably, like, the Mystery Incorporated show is apparently very good. Like, everything in between those are actually not good. Like, th- there's only a few years of Scooby that's like, oh, these are good. What's new Scooby-Doo was decent. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I didn't watch it. I, I, I liked it. It just... I... I I actually just saw the first episode of Mr. Incorporated, and I really liked it. It's more like what I, I'd like to see Scooby-Doo yeah. do. I think with What's New Scooby-Doo, um, <laughs> you have a, it's, it's, I think, the best series, um, not counting Mr. Incorporated, which hasn't come out yet. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I was laughing at the line. He's, he's like, we're not kids. And it's like, well, Frank Bulger was in like his 50s. But with what's new Scooby-Doo, I think that was probably up until that point the best series. And I think it, um, if it had the aesthetics of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? I think it would be, like, much better. I think they just, like, tried doing it a little too light and airy. It, you know, they didn't, they didn't put the money into the backdrops, you know, and background, like, making it atmospheric, like, the original series. That was, that was my problem. Are you talking about what's new Scooby-Doo? Yeah. Yeah, that was my kind of problem, but that's why I can never fully get into it. Yeah. It was fine. It just, eh, wasn't enough. Yeah, I enjoyed it more than, like, all it, the 80s variations. Oh, by far. Sure. Uh, what's new Scooby-Doo is better than any of the stuff in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, for sure, but it's, it didn't exactly do what I would like to see with Scooby-Doo. But Mystery, Mystery Incorporated is pretty damn good from what I saw. I like to watch yeah. more of it. Same. It's on Boomerang, right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw like one episode of Mystery Incorporated, the Harlan and Ellison yeah. episode. We watched yeah, that, we Jake. Watched, and I, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. And Harlan Ellison actually voiced himself. They did like a Twin Peaks parody too at one point. Oh, that's so cool. We gotta watch this then. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like my type of thing. Yeah. I also wonder, like, because the Mystery Machine keeps getting damaged in these movies, um, much more in this one than in the previous one, but it's like, how do you think Fred explains this to his, like, insurance agent? Like, after this, it's like, your 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 front window is ripped open, they're smashed in, the tires are just blown off your car, there's pumpkin guts all over this car. What did you do? Like, Fred's insurance rates have to be so... <laughs> Keeps getting raised. Yeah. Well, forget about insurance. Think about the cops. How are they going to explain all this to the cops? Doesn't Daphne have a rich family? Maybe they finance it. They just own the insurance company that Fred uses, and it's just like they just keep giving them pests. Now, yeah, this is also very anime. Like it's like very, yeah, very intense close-ups of Tim Curry doing his thing here. I'm just thinking, after all this is over, like, how do you explain this to the cops? They're probably the the gang's probably going to get arrested. Well, in this case, they're in the well, small town, so the sheriff probably covers it up. Weren't the cops implicated in, like, the last crime, too, that half the town was involved with that we had in the midpoint? Yeah, so I, I think mean, they covered this I, up. I don't know if they actually were, but enough of the town was that I feel like they can just write this all off or something. Yeah. Now, how do you think they explain Ben Ravencroft's disappearance? Do they, think, do, like, do they, like, get a dummy and throw it in front of a car and, like, you know, be like, oh... He got hit by a car, and that's when, like, you know, the dummy then writes, um, Dreamcatcher. And the Scooby-Doo universe, Long way. it's kind of like the Paul is dead conspiracy. It's the Ben Ravencroft is dead conspiracy. <laughs> I like this joke. 
To be fair, if you leave this small vicinity, a lot is different now. <laughs> See that car over there? Wait till I tell you about that. Look, these women are wearing pants. I just love, I think this is Tress McNeil. Uh, yeah, it's Tress McNeil because it's, it's essentially just her doing the voice of mom from Futurama. So I just now imagine her like slapping them like she does in Futurama. Just like in Futurama. Yeah. I'm sorry, not everyone watches Futurama. It's a great show. It's not on the Boomerang app, but you can find it elsewhere. Now, I wonder what would happen if, like, this fog, like, got over, like, people. Like, would this be, like, at the end of, like, um, Zombie Island when they're getting sucked, the life sucked out, and, like, they start shriveling up, but, like, it would have went all the way? So is this the first Scooby-Doo film with world-ending stakes? Is that what the implication here is? Destroy yeah. the land. I assume that it goes beyond the boundaries of this small town. To be fair, she was also a witch in like the 1600s, so she'd probably be like, oh, you want me to go to like New York City? That'll take four weeks to travel there. That's not worth it. So maybe it would just be this town. I don't know. Either way, I think this is the potential to have the most world-changing effects because when you get down to it, Zombie Island was just... Once a year, a like th like a small group of people have to die. Like maybe three, four people die once a year. That that's not really that big, and most of them are like racists, like you know, Confederate soldiers and pirates. So honestly, she bad. might have just explained it, and we talked over it. <laughs> so I mean, that's the point of a commentary track, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I could should we have known that? <laughs> Did you write that down in your trivia? Um, it was only a page long. Yeah. It was actually three-fourths of a page. Yep. I do like how they keep getting bribed. <laughs> do you like them getting Don't bribed? copy my trivia, Jake. <laughs> I like I'm sorry, what, what were you pointing towards? Them consistently getting bribed by Scooby Snacks. Like, you think after a while, it'd be like, yeah, no, um, can you give me, like, 20 grand to do this? Why do I have to be the one doing all the dangerous stuff? You guys are terrible friends. This is why they're not in, like, hanging out with them in Reluctant Werewolf and all that. There is a continuity of these. Eventually, they're just like, oh, you're all just fucking horrible friends. We're leaving. We're not tired of solving mysteries. We're tired of you. So I'm just very jaded about my friends for some reason. I don't know why. I, I mean, like they're friends. That was my problem. One of my other problems in, during that period were... Uh, Fred Velma and Daphne weren't as prevalent. It was just focused so much on Shaggy and Scooby. Fucking scrappy. Well, I think the problem is... I, I know with 13 Ghosts, they had Daphne in it, and she took a more leadership role. The problem is when it was just Shaggy and Scooby is that, you know, with when they had Daphne, Daphne filled the leadership role. They all picked up the weight of the finding clues like Velma. But like when they had just Shaggy and Scooby and then as well as Scrappy, Shaggy really couldn't be like Shaggy. He had to not be so much of a scaredy cat as, mm. at, you know, in normal iterations because he's also got to be the leader. He's got to be like, oh, Scooby, you know, like someone's got to believe, not believe Scooby. So it therefore had to be Shaggy being the doubter. 
in that one. And I always, yeah, felt like this isn't really Shaggy. The Shaggy that we see in literally every other variation. It's the Jack Sparrow problem. When you make a supporting character who's just... Was the intent at that point that they thought the popular part of Scooby-Doo was just Scooby and Shaggy and they eliminated the other three? Yeah. And it's interesting how that didn't work out. Well, it's a delicate balancing act because in the original show, when you watch like the first season, it was like Shaggy, Scooby, and Velma, and then Fred and Daphne went off on their own because they were the you know the straight men, like they were very boring. Um, but as the seasons went on, they realized, oh yeah, Shaggy and Scooby are far more funny, so that's when they sent Velma off on her own, or she would go with Fred and Daphne, um, just because they wanted to have more comedic possibilities with Scooby and Shaggy, and they're you know I think they did that well enough there because. Yeah, when Shaggy and Scooby aren't being chased by the monsters or doing something stupid, they could then cut to Fred, Daphne, and Velma finding a clue, coming up with a plan. So they knew how to show the more popular characters, but not completely, as Jake was saying, Jack Sparrow them into being the only characters. There's a very good analysis, Andrew, over Scooby and Shaggy getting chased by a giant turkey. Yeah, and threatening to sodomize it, apparently. Okay, bye characters we've just met. Bye first ever appearance, Hex Girls. Thanks for showing up again at the end for the music video or to play over the end credits. Why does Velma know so much about Wiccan stuff? You know, she was one of those chicks in college who probably experimented with it, along with lesbianism. <laughs> well, she did have the occult bookstore, so I'm assuming there would be a chapter or two of the Wicked. What? <laughs> you all thought it. I'm not even acknowledging what we're talking about. I'm just saying. Um, I did not. I also like how they're saying a super... They're trying to say a religion, like a religion, like a religion, like Wicca... Is like a superpower that'd be like, oh, you can stop this demon. You're Catholic, right? It's like, I mean, I suppose I could have become a priest, but just because I practice Catholicism doesn't mean I'm an exorcist. Well, you can't be part something. It's like saying you're part I'm not Catholic. True. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? I'm not getting into any of the wicked stuff. I'm just saying it's weird that Velma would know about that, as I would not expect well, the character of Velma. To be a Wiccan expert, but I like Jake's theory that she was just crazy in college. Well, I mean, to, okay, in all seriousness, she did run an occult bookstore. I imagine she did read some things about Wiccans. That's why I just said two minutes ago. Well, I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah, that must under, I'm undermining this comment. Okay. It'll be Jacob's turn to undermine one of us in the next commentary. <laughs> the next commentary, I'm just going to sabotage a laptop or something. <laughs> Let's really one up this. Jesus Christ. This is the trees from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, the tree is alive. It's grabbing Scooby. Will he will they get out? Oh, it's the best scene from the Evil Dead. Oh. I did not say that. I did not hate her. I did not. Oh hi Muck. Imagining if Schwarzenegger was in the room. Oh, that'd be great. Here, here, read the Bible. Yeah, imagine if she wasn't a Wiccan. It was just like, they, they just went like this turned into a pure flex <laughs> movie. It's like a Puritan message. 
The power of grace compels you, motherfucker. Just the reading rainbow theme starts playing. Wait, so what happened to Ben Ravencroft? Did he die? She has him, like, in a bubble floating. Oh. Yeah, as soon as he she brought him back, or he brought her back, he immediately just got um, dispatched. So the main villain of the movie got sidetracked for the entire climax to be replaced by a different main villain. Well, to be fair, she is the main villain. This is, I mean, it's, sure. she's the title character. Sure. So, I, you know, I've seen this before, but correct me if I'm wrong. This ends where, now that they used Wiccan powers to defeat the witch, they all become Wiccan, right? <laughs> One would think, or they, maybe it was just a face. Or they, <laughs> Lady, keep me out of this. This is a metaphor for Stephen King trying to overcome his drug addiction. Oh my god! Oh man! And then, well, he, and then he wrote Carrie. Well, should have gotten hit by a car instead. Didn't he get addicted like Vicodin after that or something? I don't know. The Dreamcatcher was not written by a sober person. I refuse. I flat out refuse to believe a sober person wrote that book. When was that written? That after he got hit by the car, he was yeah, recovering yeah. and he wrote that. That was like the quickest time turnaround for like an adaptation of one of his works. I think. And that book is what like nine hundred pages. Yeah. Remember Storm of the Century? That was a good miniseries. I never saw it. Oh, it was man. good. It's not actually based off of one of his books. He just wrote it as a miniseries and then he wrote like they released like a junior novelization so like you know it was probably only 500 pages <laughs> Stephen King wrote the junior novelization it came out to 650 pages yeah. he wrote it in a month <laughs> yeah no, I should say a week but yeah it's I think the best um, TV miniseries they ever did because you know there wasn't any weird stuff about like fucking space turtles or like you know time gobbling monsters that they had to condense down <laughs> Oh, that's that's it. The the turkey's still giant. That's how they explained it to the insurance company. So like, see, here's our evidence of like witchcraft. Yeah, or they try and cover it up. So it's like, how is this turkey so giant? Oh, we got him from a farm in Chernobyl. <laughs> oh, speaking of radioactive waste, they just shut down Three Mile Island the other day. I heard. I think you might have told me that. Yeah. yeah. I like this, though, because this was a allusion, supposedly, to the original idea for Scooby-Doo that they would be, like, touring the country as musicians, hmm. but they decided um, that would just be too much stuff to put in, that they were touring musicians, so, uh, and they didn't want to create, like, new songs, I guess, like, every week for them to be playing. <laughs> would have cost a lot more money. Though they created new music every, like, week. Like, I used some of the music as, like, interstitial music on the last commentary, and it's, like, actually pretty decent, but it was used exclusively for the chase scene, so I suppose they would have to have created two songs per episode. Yeah. Remember they used the Beatles on one of them? Hmm. No, no. In the original show, so we do worry. Yeah. But yeah, this is a like they continued the trend of having like really good music. Is this the Captain Planet theme song? (laughs) Close enough. Like the turkeys now, they're friends, not like attacking the town. And it sounds a little more like the um, the View to a Kill song. It's not very good. 
So, well, that was our second ever commentary. Again, thank you all for joining us for Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Um, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did recording this. Cause it's witchcraft, wicked witchcraft. And although I know it's strictly taboo, 